The Seahawks may not be playing this weekend on championship weekend, but that doesn't mean they won't be paying close attention with free agency just around the corner. Which players on the four teams still remaining alive in the playoffs could the Seahawks pursue come free agency? I'm going to be taking a look at some fan responses on Fan Fiction Friday here on the Locked on Seahawks podcast. You are locked on Seahawks. Your daily Seattle Seahawks podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Greetings, 12. This is Corbin Smith, host of the Locked On Seahawks podcast. A special thanks to all the 12s out there for listening to our latest installment. And thanks for making Locked On Seahawks your first listen five days a week. We greatly appreciate it. Blue Friday coming a bit early for our YouTube viewers. This audio will be available as well on Apple Music and Google, Spotify, all major platforms as soon as possible as well. Going to get our Friday show in early with a three-day trip planned with the family, so looking forward to that. But let's get some Seahawks analysis first. We've got championship weekend coming up in the NFL, one of my favorite weekends in the entire calendar year in the sports universe. You've got the 49ers and the Eagles, the two best teams in the NFC. And in the AFC, Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs going up against the Cincinnati Bengals. Which pending free agents from those four teams might the Seahawks be eyeing? I'm going to take a look at some responses from our listeners for Fan Fiction Friday. And then, as demanded, finally, my first mock draft of the 2023 offseason will be coming your way. I'll have a write-up coming tomorrow as well to go with that. But going to be giving you a little bit of a taste of the 10 selections that I made for the Seahawks in my first mock draft. I'll be going through those on this jam-packed Blue Friday episode. It's brought to you by LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the candidates you want to talk to faster. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash locked on NFL. Now for your lead story here on our Blue Friday edition of Locked on Seahawks. The Seahawks were eliminated from the playoffs two weeks ago, so their season is done. They're officially in off-season mode. And though they're not going to be playing this weekend in the NFC Championship game, that doesn't mean John Schneider and company won't be paying close attention to what's happening in those two games, in particular with free agency set to start in mid-March. The Seahawks don't have a ton of cap space if they re-sign Geno Smith to the contract. Everybody's expecting they will, but still, they're going to be fairly active going out and looking at some players that can help their team next year, and there's some decent free agents on these four teams. Maybe not the big-name stars that they hit the market, and those players typically don't become free agents anyway in the NFL. Franchise tag prevents that if teams don't extend them ahead of time anyway. But as we're doing every Friday, it is time for Fan Fiction Friday. I dish the question out to the 12s out there, which player – which pending free agent from these four teams would you most like to see the Seahawks not only pursue but sign this offseason? we got some really interesting answers, and we're going to start in the AFC side of things with a player that is on my short list of somebody to consider maybe if the Seahawks are going to add a player in free agency from one of these four teams. And this one coming from Gabe King, and he tweeted, Jermaine Pratt would be a decent signing to help an inside linebacker. I could not agree more on this particular one. You want to talk about a player that's taken major strides the last two years. Pratt was really an afterthought, afterthought on Cincinnati's defense his first two years in the league, but he's a 250-pound linebacker that can tackle, he can defend the run, and he can play in coverage. This year just missed the 100 tackle mark for the first time in his career, had two interceptions, 
10 passes defense. And according to Pro Football Focus, he had a 66 passer rating against him in coverage. I look at the size and I look at the coverage skills. He fits what the Seahawks are looking for there if they're going to run a 3-4 defense. They need some linebackers with a little bit more size that can also cover. And this is certainly a player, Jermaine Pratt, that's proven as he's developed in Cincinnati that he can do that. I'd be surprised if the Bengals let him go. At the same time, Joe Burrow's got a huge contract coming, and they're going to have to let some really good players go. As a result of that, maybe Jermaine Pratt ends up being one of those players could expect him to be one of the pricier linebackers to be signed in free agency because he's young, only going to be entering his fifth year, and he's really coming into his own. But I think that's a great one from Gabe King. Jason Martin staying at linebacker here, considering the cap situation, Geno Smith's contract, etc. Aziz Alshair of the 49ers could probably be had for a reasonable cost and would be an upgrade. He's only 26 years old. So I would agree with this one if the Seahawks were still running the same defense that they have done for most of Pete Carroll's time on the sidelines, but he's under 230 pounds. And this is a guy that had a few injuries this season. I think he's a solid football player. I just don't know if I see the fit in Seattle's defense with his height and his weight, not that big thumper that I just mentioned the Seahawks need. He has played a lot of special teams, but I don't think he'd be signing him for that. He's a guy that has started a lot of games the last couple of years. He's a really solid football player. Doesn't post the gaudiest stats. Not going to be a racking up a ton of tackles or sacks or interceptions, but he's a guy that can do a little bit of everything and he's got a lot of versatility. So Seattle has signed San Francisco players in the past and had some success doing so. So maybe Al Shayer will be the next player that they look at to make that happen. I would just think that of these two linebackers, Jermaine Pratt would make the most sense. Our next one here from BK voiceover. And this is one I've been excited about. Give me one of the many great playmakers on that elite Eagles defensive line, Mr. Javon Hargrave. Hargrave would be on my short list. If you're looking at pipe dream candidates for the Seahawks in free agency, because he had 11 sacks at over 300 pounds, he's played some nose tackle in Pittsburgh scheme, so he is used to playing in the 3-4. He can defend the run. He's got versatility to move up and down the line, and the Eagles are not going to be able to re-sign everybody that's going to be a free agent this year. That being said, with Hargrave still being under 30, he's going to turn 30 next season. I don't see him being a player that the Philadelphia Eagles are going to let get away. And he would be a decent fit in Seattle. Like I said, he has played in a 3-4 defense. He's got some positional versatility, but he isn't the biggest DT either. So that might ne not necessarily be what the Seahawks are looking for right now. I certainly would be high on that addition, though, because I've liked him since he came into the league. And he's got one of the best nicknames in football, the Grave Digger. He would be so much fun to add Seattle's defensive line. Probably not going to happen because of costs, and I don't know if he even hits the free agent market, but it would be a lot of fun. And we got a fun one here from Matthias A088, and I actually was mistaken on this one. I thought he was mentioning uh, Travis Kelsey, who's not a free agent. That would be an amazing addition for the Seattle Seahawks, but his brother's a pretty darn good football player too. And even though Jason Kelsey, as Matthias points out, is getting up there. He said, even at his age, he's a beast. And that is 100% true. He's 35 years old and he is still on top of his game. Did not allow a single sack this year. Only 11 pressures in pass protection. He's a capable run blocker. I don't know that this would be one that would be a good fit for the Seahawks because they are looking long-term while still wanting to compete. I don't know how much football that Jason Kelsey has left and how much he wants to play. There have been rumors about retirement with him the last couple of seasons, but it would be a fun one or two year flyer to plug him into this offensive line to go with the two tackles. They have an Abraham Lucas and Charles 
cross, and hopefully they'll have a different right guard next to him, and Damian Lewis can continue to grow. It would be a fun one. I just think it's unlikely because of the age, and you'd have to pay quite a bit to get him to come out to Seattle. I expect he's going to finish his career in Philadelphia, and when he's ready to hang up his cleats, then he'll move on. But I, I doubt that he's going to play anywhere else. Xavier, this is a fun one for me. Samaj P. Ryan would be a great one-two with K-9, with Ken Walker the third. I'm actually really high on this one, even though I'm totally against signing free agent running backs most of the time because of their short shelf life. P. Ryan is not a guy that has got a ton of wear and tear. He's never really been an every down back, but he's developed into a solid three down back. He had 394 rushing yards this year, a little over four yards per carry career highs and receptions. He's also generally been a very good pass protecting running back this year, almost an 80 grade from pro football focus. Last year was kind of most of really good pass protection. So that might be somebody that you can plug in there at 235 pounds. He can be that hammer between the tackles and also be a third down option. He's been a really nice compliment to Joe Mixon in Cincinnati. That might be a player the Seahawks can get at a decent price if they're looking to add a running back in free agency. And we've got two more here on Fan Fiction Friday. El Cool Jeffe, give me defense, Colin Saunders and Samson Ebukam. So we got two on this one. I will say this right now, Colin Saunders, I was a big fan when he was coming out of Western Illinois four years ago because of the elite athleticism at his size. And you could just see his game-wrecking ability, albeit against inferior competition. He did not do much his first three years in the NFL. This year, almost 50 tackles, three and a half sacks, three tackles for loss in a reserve role. And he's still only 26 years old. I don't know that he fits their 3-4 defense, but I would be intrigued to see if he could at the right price, and I would not think this is a guy that's going to break the bank in free agency. I would be intrigued by him in Seattle. As for the other one mentioned by El Cool Jeff A., Samson Ebukam is a player who has Washington roots. He played at Eastern Washington with Cooper Cup. He's been in the NFC West his entire career. He had a career high in sacks this year. He is a good football player, but he's another one. I don't know if he necessarily is a player that's going to upgrade this defense because I see a lot of parallels to Daryl Taylor. I see parallels to Boye Mafe in some regards. It seems like there's a bit of redundancy here from a size standpoint. I think they need a bigger edge that they can team up with Uchenna Nuosu, Boy Mafe, and Daryl Taylor that also has pass rushing ability. Ebukam just wouldn't necessarily fit that bill. So while I like the player, I don't know that that would be one that would make a lot of sense. And our last one here, several listeners pointed out this particular player. So instead of just citing all of you, this was probably the most popular pick from the Philadelphia Eagles guard, Isaac Sumalo, who played at Oregon State. This year was fantastic. That entire offensive line has been great. That's why the Eagles are where they are right now. They have been winning in the trenches, only gave up 20 pressures and one sack this year in pass protection. He does have a lengthy injury history. A couple seasons where he's played less than six games. In 2021, he played just three games. So that would be something that would worry me, but maybe that would allow you to sign him at a reasonable price. And he's several years younger than Gabe Jackson as well. I think he could fit their scheme really well in run blocking and pass protection. So that might be a flyer to keep an eye on. I am concerned about the injury history though, but you could put him on the roster. You could draft somebody at the guard position and maybe have him compete. I don't know if the Eagles are going to let him go, but his injury history might allow that to happen. Thanks again to all the 12s out there for all the amazing input on fan fiction Friday. We'll have another topic coming up next week. Now, 
Let's get to the festivities here. A lot of you have been hitting me up on social media wondering, when are we going to get our first mock draft of the offseason? I usually try to wait a couple weeks after the season ends, but I start to get an itch after a week away from the season. And sure enough, I conducted my first draft as I do every year with no trades. We'll be getting to the first, second, and third round picks coming up next year on our Blue Friday edition of Locked On Seahawks. This episode is brought to you by LinkedIn. As you get rolling in a new year, you need the right people on your team to help your small business click on all cylinders. LinkedIn Jobs is here to make it easier to find the people you want to talk to faster and for free. As a former site manager and current podcast host, I've made plenty of hires over the years. LinkedIn has always been the go-to for me to find top candidates in sports media, create a free job post in minutes on LinkedIn Jobs to reach your network and beyond to the world's largest professional network of over 810 million people. Then add your job in the purple hashtag hiring frame to your LinkedIn profile to spread the word that you're hiring so your network can help you find the right people to hire. They offer simple tools like screening questions to make it easy to focus on candidates with the right skills and experience so you can quickly prioritize who you'd like to interview and hire. It's why small businesses rate LinkedIn Jobs number one in delivering quality hires versus leading competitors. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the candidates you want to talk to faster. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash LockedOnNFL. That's linkedin.com slash LockedOnNFL to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. You're listening to the Blue Friday edition of Locked On Seahawks. This is your host, Corbin Smith. Thanks to all the 12s out there, whether this is your first time checking out Locked On Seahawks or your regular listener, thanks for making Locked On Seahawks your first listen five days a week. And for your second listen, don't forget to check out the Locked On NFL podcast to get the daily conversations on the biggest NFL stories, in-depth analysis on the biggest games with NFL key predictions every Friday. And on Monday, local insiders cover the weekend with game-to-game episodes. Locked On NFL, it's available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcast. It's time for our first Friday mock draft of the season. Sometimes I do these with my colleague, Nick Lee, unfortunately not able to be on the episode this week, but I've got my first mock draft ready to go. And this is my process every year. I usually do five or six mock drafts before the real thing comes in late April. And one of the ones I prefer to do is a pre-senior bowl mock draft before we get to see a bunch of these guys on the field competing against each other in Mobile. And that'll impact my evaluation of some of the players that I have picked in this mock draft. Some of them will go up, some of them will go down, and it'll impact where they actually go when the real draft gets here in a few months. But I avoid trades on the first mock draft, simply to look at players to look at the 10 selections the Seahawks have. All the draft projection websites right now still have the Seahawks with nine, but they actually have 10 picks. They have their seventh rounder that did not go to the Texans for John Reed at pick number 238. So they actually hold 10 selections. I made all 10 of those picks with the Pro Football Network mock draft simulator. So without further ado, let's get to them, starting with our first round picks. The Seahawks having two of them this year, the pick number five coming from the Denver Broncos as part of the Russell Wilson trade. And of course, pick number 20, their native selection at pick number five. I'm going to be brutally honest here, unless there's some character stuff that comes out or there is a run on quarterbacks. And maybe that happens. Maybe there ends up being three quarterbacks that are picked in the first four picks. And Will Anderson from Alabama is the other one. Jalen Carter suddenly is available at pick number five. I would say there's a better chance that Jalen Carter goes to the Chicago Bears with the first overall pick in the draft. I would anticipate that that's more likely than the Seahawks being lucky enough that that player is going to fall to them in number five. But if it happens, that would be a home run selection 
for the Seattle Seahawks. Jalen Carter is the complete package. Now, I'll be honest, the sack numbers, you look at them, it doesn't necessarily jump out to you. There are a number of defensive tackles in this class that have more production in that regard. And I didn't necessarily think that Carter had the most dominant playoffs. I thought he struggled in the game against Ohio State. But a lot of the other games that I've watched Jalen Carter play against elite SEC competition, this is a player you cannot keep your eyes on. At over 300 pounds with the athleticism, the way that he uses his hands, how he can shed blocks. He's a one-gapper. He's a two-gapper. He is the type of game record the Seahawks badly need on the defensive line. And quite frankly, they have not had for a number of years. I don't know if they've had a player of this kind of pedigree at defensive tackle. They didn't necessarily need that kind of player when the Legion of Boom and Bobby Wagner, those guys were running around and that historically great defense was going. Brandon Meebane was a fantastic defensive tackle, but he wasn't a game wrecker like Jalen Carter has the potential to be. And this is certainly one where there's projections involved because, again, the, the sack numbers are not necessarily fantastic, but you turn on the tape and you see how much of an impact that this kid has play to play on the field. This would be a slam dunk for the Seahawks if he falls to number five. I'm not optimistic that's going to happen, though. My other first-round pick, I'm going with major projection on this one because Lucas Van Ness of Iowa. This is a kid that was kind of floating under the radar even a few weeks ago. But you turn on the tape and you just can't stop watching Mr. Van Ness. It's six foot five, 265 pounds. He was a redshirt sophomore this year. So he is a very young football player that hasn't played a ton of snaps in the Big Ten, but he had 13 sacks the last two years, 19 tackles for a loss. He can play the run. That is an area he's going to have to grow a little bit. I think this is a kid that's going to be around 275, 280 pounds in the NFL. And he is going to be very athletic. I am fired up to see what this kid does at the combine and pro day workouts because he has a chance to rocket into potentially the top 10 if he hits it out of the park in those particular events. Just because if you watch the tape, you could just see the incredible upside this kid brings to the table. And I've talked about it time and time again. Seattle needs an edge that is bigger than 250, 255 pounds. They need a 275, 280 pound player. And I think Van Ness can be that guy with the athleticism to win as a pass rusher, but also move down and play five tech and be able to handle himself against the run in the trenches. This is a kid that I don't know necessarily day one that he started for you because he's going to have to grow into that frame and he's a young kid, but the upside is through the roof. If you could get him at pick number 20, I think that that is the type of pick where you roll the dice a little bit, even though he is not the most seasoned player in this draft class. I think he'd be a lot of fun to put on this defense. And we'll be talking more about the Hawkeyes, I'm sure, at some point later on this show. Now, let's get to our second and third round picks. The Seahawks have another pick from the Broncos at pick 37. And this one might leave some of our listeners scratching their heads a little bit just considering Seattle's needs right now, but I want this to be considered. Zay Flowers is an explosive athlete at Boston College, 177 pounds soaking wet, so he is not a big guy, but you see a lot of Tyler Lockett in the way that he plays the game. He is an incredibly savvy route runner from the outside and in the slot. I can't tell you how many times in the games that I've watched so far that he leaves defenders without their jockstrap like he fakes them out with how sharp his route running is and his ability to get open a great athlete can win over the top and I think this is a bigger need for the Seahawks than a lot of people realize Tyler Lockett is now past 30 years of age I don't think that he's going to be slowing down next year but 
he's not getting any younger and they don't have that third weapon. D Eskridge has not become that guy. Maybe he does if he's healthy, but the Seahawks can't hold out hope that's going to happen now. They need to go out and get another player. And if Zay Flowers is there at 37, there is no way they can pass up on this kid. I expect that he goes in the first round just because of his productivity and his elite route running. He's going to test well, but this is a kid that would be a great fit that can create after the catch, can run routes from the slot. And Geno Smith would be, he'd be smiling ear to ear having this kid added on top of DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett. And so I really like the upside there, putting Zay Flowers in this receiving core because I think he brings some uniqueness with him while still having some traits that are similar to Tyler Lockett. So as Lockett starts to get phased out in the next few years, Zay Flowers can step up and take his place. And he's going to give you some different dimensions on offense too. So I do think drafting a receiver early, not only is out of the, not only is it possible, I think that it would actually be a surprise if in their first four picks, they don't draft one, especially with the amount of talent there is in this draft class at the receiver position. And going to the next round, the third round, or later in the second, actually, Seattle's second pick here in the second round, John Michael Schmitz staying in the Big Ten, big physical center. And those who listen to our show regularly, you know that I've been high on this kid really since the beginning of last season. I watched several games with the Golden Gophers in 2021, and this kid immediately popped off my screen. And I watched the way that their running backs were able to chew up Big Ten defenses this year. One of the big reasons that they could is because they had this big, physical, mean center in the middle that could create push at the line of scrimmage. He's a good enough athlete to win as a zone blocker. He was solid in pass protection. I think he is the best center in this draft class now that Georgia's main prospect is not going to come out this year. I think that John Michael Schmitz is the number one prospect. Centers don't often go in the first round. This could be a kid, though, that if he has a really good pre-draft process, could absolutely sneak into the first round like Tyler Linderbaum from Iowa did last year. If that happens, Seattle might have to take him at 20 or they won't get him. But in this particular mock, he was available in the early 50s. If that happens, Seattle cannot have a Creed Humphrey 2.0. You need to go get that center and you need to upgrade the middle of your offensive line for years to come. John Michael Schmitz is a guy that could be a pro bowler, maybe even all pro caliber player with his upside and his versatility as a run blocker and a pass protector. And my last pick on day two in the third round, I said I'd be talking more about Iowa. Here we go. Jack Campbell, the linebacker for the Hawkeyes. And nothing flashy about this kid. When you turn on the tape, it's a little different than Van Ness where you see those ooh plays that make your jaw drop. I don't necessarily see that from Jack Campbell. What I do see is an extremely productive linebacker that had almost 155 tackles the last two years for Iowa. He had five interceptions during that time too. So he has shown that he's capable in coverage. And what excites me about it is he's not a tiny linebacker. This is not one of those 225, 230 pound linebackers. He's 245 pounds and he is a well-built 245 pounds. And so I'm excited to see where he projects the NFL. He had to wait his turn. Iowa's had some really good linebackers come through there, but I think this would be a fun kid to team up with a healthy Jordan Brooks. If Cody Barton returns in free agency, he and Barton could play together. But Campbell's a guy that has experience being the uh, leader in the huddle. I think he could come in. You could put a green dot in his helmet on day one. He's got that kind of responsibility. So on day two, get him in the third round. That would be a coup for the Seahawks to add to their linebacking core and give him some size and physicality to go with coverage as well. 
When we return here on our Blue Friday episode, I'm going to finish off my first mock of the season looking at my day three selections. And the Seahawks have five of them, not four, with a seventh rounder that most of the mock draft websites are not posting yet. They do have five selections remaining. So I'll go through those five picks in rounds four through seven coming up next year on our Blue Friday edition of Locked On Seahawks. This episode, your way by the NFL here about our new sports betting partner for Locked On because they're the number one sports book in America. If you're if you're new to FanDuel, that's even better. They have so many great features that make betting on sports fun and easy. New customers join today to get started with $150 in free bets guaranteed when you place your first $5 bet. Just sign up at FanDuel.com slash locked on. FanDuel has all your favorite bets from the movie or money line to point spreads to player props. Plus, you can even combine your bets for a chance at a bigger payout with a same-game parlay. Looking at championship weekend after beating the Bills, I'm liking the Bengals' chances at plus 1.5 to pull off the upset at Arrowhead Stadium. If you're like me and you want to make that bet, it's super easy. Just get in the app. It's safe, secure, super easy to use. Football fans, don't miss out. Place your $5 bet to get $150 in free bets. Win or lose at FanDuel.com slash locked on. Make every moment more with FanDuel, official sportsbook partner of the NFL. You're listening to the latest installment, Blue Friday, of the Locked On Seahawks podcast. I'm your host, Corbin Smith. A special thanks to all the 12s out there. Whether this is your first time checking out the podcast or your regular listener, we greatly appreciate all of you. Continuing my first mock draft of the 2023 offseason, just went through my first three rounds worth five selections there. Had a couple of first-round picks, Jalen Carter and Lucas Van Ness, to get my defensive line shored up. And then on day two, adding another weapon for Geno Smith was Zay Flowers at pick number 37, getting my center later in the second round and John Michael Schmitz and adding myself a linebacker to put, to put with Jordan Brooks in the middle of Seattle's defense in the third round. So let's get to day three. This is where the Seahawks have cleaned up in the past. This past season, they got Kobe Bryant and, of course, Tariq Woolen. They still like the upside of uh, Tyreek Smith. And they got Dariq Young late on day three. And he looks like he might be somebody to watch for that number three receiver as well. So these picks certainly are important. The Seahawks will have five of them going into April's draft. Let's start off with our first pick in the fourth round. I think the Seahawks need to add another quality running back to go with Ken Walker III because Travis Homer is going to free agency. Who knows if they're going to bring him back. DJ Dallas only has one year left on his current deal. Rashad Penny's been hurt left and right. He's going to be a free agent. Chase Brown from Illinois. I keep going to Big Ten players. I promise that it's not on purpose. That just happens to be the way that this mock draft fell. But Chase Brown is a really darn good football player. Not the biggest running back. And you look at the threshold, Seattle has typically drafted a running back between 200 and 205 pounds. They haven't done that very often, though. Travis Homer fit in that threshold. But you look at the numbers playing in the rugged Big Ten. Over 1,600 rushing yards this year. He had career highs in receptions. Receiving yards had three receiving touchdowns, so he showed progress on that front. I've liked what I've seen in pass protection. There's plenty of polish to make happen there. He's not the 
most polished pass protector. I would not compare him to Travis Homer coming out of Miami, but he's a player that I see enough from to think he could be a really solid third down back while also being a nice change of pace to go with Ken Walker, the third that can be a feature back. He has shown that kind of talent running the football. You put another player like that with Ken Walker, the third, this has a chance to be one of the most dynamic running games in football. He adds some third down value that certainly would make it worth picking another running back early on day three. So I go with Chase Brown with my first pick here in my first mock draft of the season. And then going to pick number 149, a lot of people are asking me, what do the Seahawks do if they don't take a quarterback with their first pick or with their first rounders in general? I don't think that completely rules them out taking a quarterback, especially if they can get somebody like Jake Hayner from Fresno State. Now, Washington Husky fans will say, well, he, he couldn't cut it here. He didn't win the starting job here. But look what he did at Fresno State, completed almost 69% of his passes the last three years almost 70 touchdowns compared to just 18 interceptions. So he's very accurate. He can throw with anticipation. He's got decent mobility to be able to extend plays. He had some touchdowns running the football for Fresno State. And I think he's got a better arm than advertised. His size worries me at 195 pounds. This is not a big guy, not, not big even by quarterback standards. He's had some injuries, missed some games this year. He's also played through some injuries, though. So you can't question his toughness. I think Hayner would be a lot of fun for Shane Waldron and Dave Canales. If he's still here, it'd be fun for those two to develop him behind Geno Smith. I don't know if he's got starter upside at the same time, though. I wouldn't put it against him because – this is a kid that does do a lot of things the Seahawks value throwing the football, and he can run an offense. And so I'd like to see him as their second pick on day three to add some competition to the quarterback room. Hayner would be a lot of fun in Seattle's offense. At pick number 152, only a couple picks later, this is my gamble pick on day three. And this is where you make these type of selections because your hit rate goes way down on day three, the type of players. You're not dealing with blue chippers anymore. But Matt Bedford from Indiana, this is a player who originally grew up in California, so he's in one of the football hotbeds, a little over 300 pounds. He's played both guard positions. He has started at tackle. I project him being a guard at the next level, and unfortunately, he missed almost the entire 2022 season with a torn ACL. But they've got to figure out the right guard position, Seattle does. And I look at Bedford as a player that might not be ready to play right away, especially coming off of that knee injury. But because of his versatility, we know how much Seattle values that. I think Bedford is a player that probably could have snuck into day two if not for the injury, having another good season. His first 28 starts at Indiana, there's a lot of good film. And you can see the athleticism. You can see the size, the technique, room for him to develop. But this is a kid that I could see being a day three selection because of his injury that has the upside to be a multi-year starter at left or right guard. And so I like this pick from a value perspective, even if you don't know necessarily where his health is going to be at, I think picking him in the fifth or sixth round makes a ton of sense. You can have him compete against Phil Haynes, or maybe you can bring in a veteran guard in free agency from elsewhere and have him compete. But this is a kid that I would be excited to see healthy in Seattle's offense. And our rounding out, our rounding out our final two selections here, Pick number 185, this is where you're looking with for guys with traits. And Tyke Smith from Georgia, obviously he's coming for the national champion, so there's some pedigree there. He started his college career at West Virginia, but he's over six foot, over 200 pounds. He has played quite a bit in the box, had two sacks last year as kind of a rotational nickel-type player for the Bulldogs. 
he is a, a player that obviously with the talent Georgia has on their defense year in, year out, it was hard for him to crash the rotation after he transferred there. And at the same time, you got to wonder if he might be one of those guys that will be a better pro than a college player, just given the opportunity to develop. And with the injury issues for Jamal Adams, Ryan Neal is a restricted free agent. They tender him. He's still going to be an unrestricted free agent the following offseason. They need to figure things out from a depth perspective at that spot. And so I think this would be the prime spot to pick a safety that you can develop. And hopefully he can immediately contribute for you on special teams. And that could provide value by itself. And maybe he's a player that can play some defensive snaps for you down the line. And my last selection, I'm going to call this the 2023 version of Derek Young coming from an FCS school, Devin Haskins from Holy Cross. And every time I watch this kid play, I'm looking forward to seeing him in the pre-draft process. But going back, I was just curious looking at his size, six foot three, 205 pounds. He has really long strides. He moves well. I'm curious to see how he tests, but this is a kid that was a second team All-American at the FCS level for Holy Cross five interceptions, and 17 pass breakups the last two years. He'll come up and he'll hit you. A lot of the plays I was watching from this kid at Holy Cross, I was thinking, holy crap, this kid can play. And the Seahawks have been kind of against small school prospects, but we've seen that mindset change in recent years, especially last year picking a Division II receiver like Derek Young. If Haskins has a good pre-draft process with the film that he has – competing in one of the pre-draft uh, all-star bowls, that gives him an opportunity to further enhance his status. Could you imagine putting another project at six foot three, 205, that's a really good athlete, long arms, putting him across from Tariq Wollin and seeing what you can do there? This would be a seventh-round selection just to bring him in and try to develop him, see if he can play special teams early. You don't have to have him plugged into the lineup early, but – Maybe he's somebody that can come into the league and quickly adapt, and maybe he's playing snaps for you early. The Seahawks have shown they can do that with corners as well as any position. And so Haskins would be a really fun selection in the seventh round, taking a flyer on a talented FCS player and seeing if he can make that jump to the NFL and maybe eventually be somebody that can push for playing time at left cornerback. As always, you can follow me on Twitter, Corbin Smith NFL. You can send me a tweet right now letting me know what you think of my first mock draft and the selections. I'm always open to criticism. And of course, I will take compliments if you want to dish those my way as well. You can follow Locked on Seahawks at Locked underscore Seahawks. Make sure to check us out on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and streaming five days a week on YouTube. When we return on Monday, Rob Rang and I are going to be diving into some more mock drafts for Mock Draft Monday and answering your mailbag questions. Jam-packed episode as always coming your way. Enjoy your weekend. Enjoy some time off. And of course, championship weekend. Go Hawks.